Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered, Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa Curry-Lowitz, and I'm here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Today, it is Wednesday, May the 12th. Oh my goodness, you guys, today is my 40th birthday. Like today, right now, May the 12th is my 40th birthday. Like, woo! (laughs) Oh, and I have an excellent, special little birthday podcast today where we're going to really explore not the meaning of life. I want to say more like the meaning of life from my 40-year-old perspective right now in this moment. And I want to go back to some of the most difficult times in my life and bring some light into what my internal growth actually looks like. Because it, it looks and feels different for everyone. And as we're moving through this so-called life, it can be oftentimes confusing to navigate what we're experiencing. And because let's face it, we're all growing on this journey. However, there are so many instances where we haven't processed the learning or we can't see the lesson or we abandon our needs or we don't know if things are better versus buried or suppressed, I should say right? Better, are, are we better or is the problem just buried right now? And I want to really deep dive into unexpressed emotion and how mine has come to the surface to serve me and in, for lack of a better word, life-changing ways. Like honestly, my unexpressed emotion feels horrendous coming up, but at the end of the actual day, once I've been able to hold space for it and feel it and observe it and know where it's coming from and then heal from it. That's the, that's the good shit right there. (laughs) That's the life changing thing, right? So, Ooh, this is going to be a good show. So thank you all for tuning in. This is the 107th episode. And since we're talking about numbers, the podcast is so close to getting to that a hundred thousand download mark. Oh my gosh. We're almost at 100,000 downloads. So please share this. Let others know about the work that we're all doing here together because you listening, you're doing the work here. And if you haven't subscribed to the pod, please go ahead and do that right now, all right? Uh, And yes, the number of the day, the last number of today is 40 because that's exactly how many years I've been alive. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, wow. It is a great day to be alive. Thank you so much for joining me on my 40th birthday <laughs> and here on the podcast. So if you're an avid listener, you may be wondering why I'm not actually in Whistler. And I think I mentioned in the last episode in a couple episodes that Michael and I, my partner and I were taking a birthday trip out West to be in my favorite part of Canada. I love Vancouver Whistler. We were going to go hiking, be in the mountains and just get away. Like we weren't going to do things. We wanted to just sort of be with each other and with nature. And of course, this is like the first time 
we've been able to get away in the last 16 months. As we all know, it's been horrendous with the pandemic. However, we're not in Whistler because we had to cancel our trip, which is heartbreaking, but also understandable. There was a surge of COVID cases in Vancouver and in Whistler. And in fact, the entire province of British Columbia has really tightened up on the travel restrictions. So when we booked, we were in the green, everything was a go, but about 10 days ago, things really, maybe even two weeks ago, BC is now in the red. So we had to make a few difficult choices and we chose to cancel. We literally canceled everything four days before we were scheduled to leave. And of course, this is the right choice because every choice we make is the right choice. And in the big picture, I don't want to be breaking any rules or getting anyone sick or getting sick myself or contributing negatively towards the health and safety of this country. And in that way, I'm sort of a rule follower. Like, do I think these rules are sort of bullshit sometimes? Yes, 100% absolutely. And I know I might get myself into a little bit of shit here by saying this, but the amount of isolation and lockdown time and COVID rules in my area, in my my community in Ontario is insane. We have been living in basically house arrest for the last 16 months and oh, I have so many opinions about that. So you're gonna be darn right that I wanna question the practices of the government and the way we are being fear-driven to hide and shrink our light and abandon our needs for the sake of what the government says. And I don't wanna open a can of worms here and say that, you know, I don't care about the elderly or my grandmother or the vulnerable because that is simply 100% not true. That is not it at all. Of course, I want everyone to be safe. I wanna be safe. This is a real thing. I'm not saying this is not real. This is, to me, a a lose-lose situation here. And I think that more of us need to ask questions and hold the the governing body and the decision makers and the health professionals a little bit more accountable to the balance of everything. That's all. And, And the amount of people that are in my life that are suffering deep, dark depression and weight gain, severe weight gain, lockdown fatigue, severe anxiety, all while... There, there's like this, there, everyone's trying to pretend like everything's okay when it's not okay. And oh, if I've learned anything in my 40 years, it's okay to not be okay. But we're all in this weird place of, of trying to suppress all of these, this deep suffering and, and replace it with the notion, well, I'm not dead. I didn't get COVID or Sometimes we are, we like, sometimes we have received that tragic loss and we're, we're trying to replace it with like, oh, at least I'm okay. And I'm going to get into that way deeper, very shortly. And I just, the, the suppressing of our feelings is, is just devastating. You know, people are, are, are alternatively thinking that they're weak or, or less than because they have these feelings and oh, I am here today to say, oh, I have so much compassion for that and I'm holding space for anyone that is suffering in this. And and then 
also on the other side, there are people who are thriving right now, right? And they also feel like they have to hide and shrink their light because they, because others have it so bad. You know, in fact, this is sort of my, my relationship dynamic with my partner in this moment or for the last year, 16 months, like my partner, Michael is for lack of a better word, thriving. Yes, he has adversities and yes, he has his own struggles, but he like, he is, and he's, he loves it. He, he love he, he has a great job. He loves working from home. He loves having me around all the time. He has been working on all his home projects and he's been, that he's been wanting to do for years and years and years. So like, and, and then in this past year, I lost my job. I had to start over and grieve and pivot and create a whole new business model. And it was a struggle. So there you have like someone who's totally stable and someone who's like instable in this dynamic. It was really interesting this past year, how vulnerable we both had to be and how open we both had to be to hold space for each other because I didn't want to shrink, make him shrink and hide his light either, even though I was struggling so much. So it's tough. And uh, even now, I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm, I'm suffering lockdown fatigue big time, like big time. And no, I'm not a conspiracy theorist and I'm not an anti-vax person. I just think that there has to be a better way. And I don't know what that way is. Like I know there's one thing to bitch and then there's the other thing to be a solution-based activist. And I don't know what the solution is, but I know it involves protecting the rights and freedoms of everyone, which, which includes your own personal responsibility and choice. Now, I didn't exactly mean to go on a huge rant here about lockdowns. (laughs) However, as the waves of my lockdown fatigue have come to the surface, which I'm in one right now, um, I've I've been sort of taking two steps forward and then sometimes two steps back. Well, most of the times it's two steps back right now. And I, and I do this to observe and to acknowledge my privilege, right? My access to healthy resources, my access to nature and fitness and shelter, safety, time and love. This is abundant. Like it really is abundant in my life. And I feel so much gratitude. I'm so grateful and appreciate all of the things that I have in this life. And even though I lost my job at the beginning of the pandemic and had to pivot and launch my online coaching and create all sorts of online resources and get my feet back underneath me, I have just been exhausted most, most days. Like the way I refuel my soul and my energy through human connection and through people and through socializing and through the stuff that's sort of locked down right now we can't do. It's just like, oh, it's exhausting. And when people ask how I'm doing, I have to say I'm good. Because yeah, my life is is good. It's, some may say incredible. But it always comes with an asterisk. <laughs> okay, so I'm good and. I think, I think 
Um, I, I don't know if it was Mark Groves that, that said good with an asterisk. It's so funny. I was listening to a podcast and they were like, I'm good with an asterisk. And I'm like, I am also good with an asterisk. That's exactly how I want to communicate this. I'm good and I'm exhausted. I am good and I am processing. I am still grieving. I'm sad. I'm emotional. I miss my family. I know there are a lot of people listening who miss their families too and their friends and just enjoying space and time with the people that you love. Being in the same room and just feeling the energy of the people that you love, like that is what fills my soul in so many ways and has been lacking. And it's interesting because the kinds of conversations I've been having with myself have been insane. Like they've been very interesting. Because I am truly, deeply, and humbly looking at my life from the perspective of the non-judgmental observer. This is my work. This is my choice. And I see my privilege. But I also see my pain. And the pain of the people in my life. And I think there's so much value in that. To be able to witness all aspects of how you feel and honor all aspects together. Like, who says that you need to feel only one way at a time? Why do we always have to put a positive swing on everything? Like, that shit is toxic. The amount of toxic positivity I see and hear and witness on social media with, like, dialogue through texting, it's it's next level right now. So what is toxic positivity anyways? And I mean, I, I actually, I've been called out on, on social media before for, for talking about toxic positivity because people really, really believe that being positive is the only way to a happy life. But let me just give you another perspective here because toxic positivity, in short, it refers to the belief that no matter how sad or difficult a situation is, people should maintain a positive mindset, All right? Think good vibes only right? That good vibes only approach. So think about that. Like, do you believe that the only way to maintain a happy life is with a positive mindset, right? However, this is how I lived my life forever and ever and ever. And it always kind of felt yucky sometimes to be positive. That's how it started. That's how I started to question this whole belief system. And because what it does is it rejects emotion and favors sort of like this over-the-top false facade of optimism, okay? So when, for example, you're experiencing something like pandemic fatigue or depression or even loss of a loved one or you're grieving or you have relationship problems or someone says, and and then someone comes up to you and says, hey, just look on the bright side or (laughs) stay positive, things could be worse or happiness is a choice. Our brains are literally breaking down trying to process this. Like it is so incredibly dismissive and it's so incredibly like that is the the shit. That is the layer of the cake that suppresses and makes you feel guilty or shame for having these negative emotions or for grieving or for feeling crappy. The belief that we need to be positive 100% of the time or else we suck, (laughs) or we're a terrible human being, is what is contributing to our pain and unexpressed emotion. 
which then it leads to distrust within and low self-esteem and low confidence and low self-worth and all the shit, all those negative, those, that negative self-talk that comes up when you are looking at yourself in the mirror or when you, you make a mistake or when things get hard and you don't know how to handle or manage your emotions. It's this, this belief that we need to be positive hundred percent of the time. And this is arguably the biggest, most effective self work, I should say that I've been moving through throughout this pandemic. It's in the honoring of self, but also the recognition of how I got where I am today. Like, like honoring myself and, and, and seeing the road that I took and witnessing the road that I took. And this is the yes and method. Yes, I am good asterisks and I am also not good. <laughs> I am good and I am struggling. This is my truth. This dialogue, be it inward or internal or outward conversation is what my truth sounds like. All right. So for me to say that I'm just good would be to ignore this huge part of me who is in the suffering and would require me to go against myself and suppress that emotion. You following? You see, you hear what I'm, you see what I'm saying? So, so now here is the next level to this because there's always another level. <laughs> uh, okay. So we're taught all sorts of ways of living and ways of being right. And all of these ways give the illusion that we don't have a choice. Okay, so all of these ways give the illusion that we don't have a choice, that we aren't choosing the way we treat ourselves or others, that it just is what it is, or that like the, all of that is complete bullshit. <laughs> no, maybe we didn't have a choice growing up. When we were kids, things happened. We had experiences, you know, things happened in my life, things I wish I could forget, things that were horrible, trauma, pain, suffering. And from those experiences, we did, I did what I had to do to survive. You did what you had to do to survive. We believed, we trusted, we learned how to protect ourselves when we were betrayed, forgotten, abandoned. And you know what? We survived. We got through it. Now, that's pretty that's a pretty important point to make out here. You have survived a lot. You've been through a lot. All right? But now, now that we're older, what has happened is <laughs> we have stayed committed to the same pattern of behavior from when we were younger. And in those difficult situations as a child or a teenager, right? Like because yes, this, this behavior helped us in the past, but now we are applying an old formula to a new level in our lives. And now our thinking, believing habits and behaviors have actually become harmful or, or more harmful than helpful. Right? So, so now all of a sudden, we are questioning the formula that once worked and instead of changing it, because how the hell do you change it? And change is so, so scary. And we don't know, we're familiar with this formula, but we just, we have blind faith that it will start to work again, even though it never will. 
We are living in this constant state of fear, in the stuckness and repeated suppression of emotion and reality as it stands. We're always thinking about some future moment or some past moment. Reality in the now, we're suppressing that. And most of us can't even see how deep we are in our own shit because it's all we know. And there's never been that wake up or that awareness piece of observing how we think and feel and behave and act and react. And oh my gosh, this fully freaking resonates with me 100%. And then, I mean, this is, this is my, um, all of my 30s, the last decade, all right? has been in un- unpacking this and unraveling what all of this means and how it's affected my life. And then, you know, instead of working on expressing and feeling our emotions and learning who we truly are in all the darkness and the light, we start to outsource our worth. That's the next step, right? We can't do it. Someone else has to do it for me. I can't do this. I don't have a choice. You have to do it for me. And then we blame others when we're hurt. And of course, this is the old pattern again. This is the old pattern that is not working because we're miserable, but we cannot express that we're miserable because we have to be positive all the damn time. And it all comes back to this idea that we don't have a choice. That is just an idea. (laughs) Well, what if you did have a choice? What if Like, what would you choose for yourself if you had the choice? This is a question of my life. This question comes up inside my inner dialogue all of the time. If I had a choice, what would I choose? And the truth is that we all have a choice and we can all choose something else. Now, before you even go into objections, let's just analyze because that's what's going to happen in your brain. If not now, eventually it's into the objections. I can't because of this. I'm just not like you. I'm just not like that. I don't have the money. I don't have the support. Whatever the objection is to get what you want. Like if you think, if I had the choice, what would I choose? You would say something, but then but then you would add a but, but I can't because, or whatever. And what other objections are coming up? I this is, we should have made this a webinar. (laughs) We should have made this a Zoom call because I want to know what comes up for you. Now, I want to give an example of what happened in my life. This was when I was in my 20s, my mid-20s. It's a profound example. When I truly deeply denied myself choice when I was in a very shitty situation, okay? So um, this is an abusive relationship topic, trigger alert. This example is in relationships, like I said, but when I was in the depths of despair and I was married to an abusive man, this was back in 2008 for those of you who are new to the pod. I am a divorced person. I actually wished, this this is a true story, I actually wished my partner would die. Not that I would kill him, that he would die somehow. That's how trapped I was in the idea that I didn't have a choice. I wanted him to die. Now that sounds terrible, but it's true. And I'm being very vulnerable with you. (laughs) I wanted him to die so that I didn't have to face the responsibility of choosing and stepping into my worth and having my own back. 
That's how deep this belief ran in me. It would just be easier because it was too hard for me to choose. Interesting. It would have been easier if he just died. Like how sick a thought of that. Like what the actual fuck, Elisa. But I was in the grip of an old belief system of till death do us part. I grew up Catholic and it was instilled in me from basically birth that because I made the choice to get married, that was my choice also, now I was subjected to the consequences of that choice for the rest of my life, whether it served me or not. Like, no, 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 no. This is not how it works. Yes, I made a choice to marry this man and I made a choice to come back to myself, honor myself, have my own back, respect myself and leave him. All right. The cultural framework around marriage, especially with women, is all is all around self-sacrifice and self-abandonment and give more than we're capable of giving, to be honest. And we're taught that we will only be happy when we have a partner who loves us and that our partner completes us. So basically, this means that we're not whole all on our own. <laughs> so how could we possibly survive being single or without the partner, without the partnership? Now, oh my gosh, here's a random question. Who here listening today has wished at some point or another that they would be swept off their feet by a man or they would be happier if a man just took care of them or maybe it's more like if you had a rich husband? Who, who has ever thought that? whether it's fleeting or, or is consistent. <laughs> and I, I'm seriously raising my hand over here because I grew up in a world where every single boyfriend I had was tried, judged, and convicted by what he did for a living. And it was like, the first question anyone ever asked was, what does he do? Or, and I heard comments like, you need to find a rich man and settle down. And you should go out with that guy, he's loaded, you know? It was literally every single relationship conversation I had growing up with everyone everyone, all the adults in my life. That's the cultural conditioning right there, especially the female adults, to be honest. And so how much dissonance do you feel when you find a rich guy, but he's abusive? Or you settle down because they have so much potential, but there's no mutual respect, love or admiration. So all of a sudden you have these contradicting, like he's not taking care of you like he said he would. You have these really difficult emotions to navigate through. So what I'm ultimately trying to portray here is that <laughs> right now with this toxic positivity and what I'm learning and observing is we are afraid of expanding and being more than the learned behaviors. Or we're afraid that our choices will will cave in onto us and and bury us. Well, guess what? They're supposed to collapse and we are supposed to make choices that don't work. That doesn't mean that our choices are wrong. That means we did what we thought was best and now we have a really incredible information here that will prepare us for the next choice, okay? This is growth. That's expansion in all areas, up and down and to the side. Now. If I have learned anything about the human brain and our thinking over the course of my life, which includes my years competing for Canada on the world stage, it also includes coaching high performance athletes to be their best. 
and coaching coaches to coach athletes and working with some of the most incredible human beings on self-worth in my program now, it is that we human beings are constantly thinking in black and white, in polarity. And for example, uh, I'm fat, I'm beautiful, I suck, I'm the best, I'm so stupid, I'm smart. And this type of self-talk loops constantly back and forth every day, all day. Okay, so in your brain, you are going back and forth between negative and positive, black and white. I'm gross. I'm great. I'm I'm shitty. I'm the best. Okay, <laughs> does this resonate with you? Are you are you able to acknowledge this about yourself? Like this is also a very interesting and profound question, right? So you are not above this. I'm not above this. This happens to me as well. Whether you're aware of it or not, there is a lot of black and white thinking that's happening in your mind. So what does the growth look like? Well, it doesn't look like replacing, or should I say suppressing a negative thought with a positive thought. It doesn't, nope, zero, nada, okay? It means you, I mean, you can do it if you want to do that. (laughs) And that's what loads of people say to do. There's so much advice out there that says, just think positive thoughts. Oh my gosh, but what that does 100% of the time is it dismiss, like, It dismisses the original pain from which those thoughts were born. You see, your negative thoughts come from deep in your subconscious. They live in you. The energy literally lives in your brain cells, in your tissues, in your cells, the energy of that. Now, what happens with our thoughts is this. Or maybe I should add that there's no such thing as an original thought, right? We have literally learned to think okay even every single thought comes from an agreement we have made and okay I want to get into this agreement thing because this might help explain a little bit more all of our agreements over time have become our beliefs our beliefs create thought they create our thinking so what does this mean what it means is that we are exposed to something, whether we are learning or experiencing, seeing, observing. And, and from that, we either agree that it's right, or we agree that it's not right. We agree that it's wrong. So let's take a really common cultural collective agreement, a collect there's collective agreements. And then there's personal agreements. There's family agreements, relationship agreements. There's all types of agreements. Okay. And for just to use this one as an example, we can all agree that when you read the letter S, it makes a s sound, right? That words are created from letters of the alphabet, that the sky is blue, that the grass is green, and that a female is called woman and a male is called a man. All right, do you get it? Are you following? Do you agree that those things are correct? So some people would call these facts that these are 100% true because they've just been practicing them for so, so long that uh, there's no room for error and that's a fact. Facts are facts and this is true. So would they be wrong? No, not exactly. But the point I'm trying to say is that we have agreed to the collective that these things are what they are and from our agreements, our beliefs are formed. So let's just, small example. Take someone living in France, for example. If if I was speaking to them and I said the sky is blue, 
All right. Would they agree to that? They would no, They would not. They would say, no, it's bleu. Bleu is what their agreement is to the color blue. Okay. So language is an agreement. And yes, we work through translations and interpretations and like the perception of all things. I'm getting off topic here a little bit. My point is, is that if you made an agreement as a child that you need to hide and shrink your light in order to be safe, then as an adult, this would become your unconscious belief and you would just do it automatically. You wouldn't even know. Just like when you learn to speak, you're not thinking of the words, but when you're a kid, you were, and you were agreeing to them, but now they just come up. In fact, I was speaking with a lady on Instagram yesterday about this exact same thing. And I'm posting some fun throwbacks this week to celebrate my birthday. And this woman, she like actually said to me, I've been tempting to do the same. You know, she was really tempted to show some of her accomplishments on social media, but she didn't want to because she was afraid of what people might think of her and posting and being vain and being selfish or showing off or being a show off. She didn't want to be a show off. She didn't want to one up anyone or come across as like being proud. So she hid herself. How common is that? How often do we abandon ourselves for the sake of others? It's like, it's a, it's a occurrence that happens so often for so many people. And I hold a lot of compassion for that. It totally resonated with me. This lady, it's also like the, well, who am I to post my accomplishments? You know, that imposter syndrome. And I'm not as skilled as you, so therefore I'm not good enough to post this or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Something like that. Oh my gosh, I could go on with this forever. <laughs> and, 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 and then when it comes to our bodies and our health and our relationship, and most critical of all, our relationship to ourselves. Oof. Oh. You know, here's the God to honest, here's the honest to God truth. The God to honest truth. <clears throat> well, this is my truth anyways. You can choose to side with me or not, agree with this or not, but what I believe is that when you are signing up for the growth and this is something that like if I had this ticket at the beginning of all of this, like after I had that crazy wake up call um, in 2008, when I woke up, looked at myself in the mirror and did not recognize my face, when I was 85 pounds overweight, when I was in that abusive relationship, when I was broke, when I was miserable, when I was like panicking and totally lost, I'd given everything away. I'd not taken responsibility for anything. If I had been given this piece of advice in that moment, I think it would have saved me so much turmoil if I had believed, okay, here's the catch. If I had, if someone had given me this advice and I believed that it would help me, because this, what I'm about to say, not everyone's going to agree with. They will not agree with this. But what I'm, so what I believe is that when you're signing up for the growth and for the work and for the journey, what you're signing up for to heal, to climb, to improve, whatever you want to call your journey, what you are actually doing is signing up to improve and heal the relationship to yourself, period, mic drop. <laughs> you, 
that is the growth. It's to improve and heal your relationship to yourself. And this is the answer that the world doesn't want you to know. And it makes you believe that healing yourself and improving the relationship with yourself is impossible. And you, or you could only do it with a bunch of money and a bunch of self-care shit and therapy. And I mean, therapy is great. All that stuff's great. Great, great, great. Check, check, check. Boxes, boxes, boxes. Yes, yes, yes to everything. But it makes you feel like it's impossible, which is also bullshit. And like my, my friend, her name's Sarah Roberts. What she says constantly is you can always, 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 always change. I love this line. I love this. You can always, always change. And uh, after 40 years, I my relationship to myself has evolved in so many ways. I look back at my 20-year-old self and the choices that I made just trying to impress people and trying to be the best and going moving into my 30s where I really started to unravel that and unpeel the layers and really dissect and unlearn basically everything that I thought I knew up to that point. And my 30s was just such a powerful decade for that. And it, I'm really proud of that work that I have done. I'm really proud of the work I've done every decade. I, I, I do hold a lot of space and compassion for what I thought I knew and the person I thought I was supposed to be. But it wasn't until I started to improve my relationship to myself that that vision became more clear and I had a lot more clarity in what I wanted in this life. And I knew what I stood for and I knew what I stood against. And from that place, my values were really coming to the surface and my standards and my boundaries. And I could and I could be true to myself and I practiced being true to my word and honoring how I was feeling. And all of these little tiny actions, one at a time, really accumulated to this rebirth if you will, in my 30s, I like, and I know, this is the funny thing. I know, like right now I'm struggling. Yes, I'm totally struggling. This pandemic fatigue is getting to me. It's, it's, it's really opening the door to some of the darker shit that I've buried in my life. And it's giving me an opportunity to sit with some of these emotions that I haven't felt for a long time that I know I've suppressed and I know is a really just buried trauma from long ago. And it's really, I don't want to say a gift. That's not the word I want to, I'm choosing to use today. Opportunity might be a better word. It's really this, maybe this indicator or direction or this map this of the journey that I'm supposed to be taking. I am supposed to be feeling these things right now. And what, what a glorious perspective to be able to sit with that and be like, okay, this is how I feel right now. I am 40 freaking years old and I have this like, this little fire in me, this little ping of curiosity. And I just cannot wait 
to experience and keep unraveling with this perspective and keep building this momentum and and keep on this journey of growing and improving my relationship to myself. Like what a gift, what an honor to have lived 40 years. I am not afraid. I mean, sometimes I'm like, holy shit, I'm 40. <laughs> my body doesn't bounce back as easily as it was. I have wrinkles. I'm like starting to age. These things like the world tells you is bad. I'm like really starting to see the other side of that. And my, it's not just my relationship to myself. The, the number aspect is really a reflection of my relationship to time and how I value time and how I see time and how it passes and how I experience time. Ooh, that's another podcast, I think. Um, that has been quite the episode. I think I want to leave it right there and just encourage everyone to ask questions. That's, that's sort of the bottom line here. Ask questions. And if I could give my younger version of myself some advice, I would say to ask more questions, right? Never stop being curious as to why you do the things you do and why others force their beliefs onto you and how you take that and why you take that when it doesn't suit you and you know it doesn't suit you. I mean, there's one thing to be like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna go with the flow or oh, okay, I don't know, you can tell me and I'll just go do that. That's But when someone's telling you something that you know is not true to you or doesn't feel right, why do we go against that feeling? That's where we need to be more curious because you're a grown ass adult right now. You're no longer a child and you can make your own rules and the world's not out to get you. It wants you to go out and live your life. Live the life that you want. Okay, (laughs) I am over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. I cannot believe how fast that that just flew by. Wow. And if you want more, head over to elisaunfiltered.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. If you are looking for a new crew of body love, self-care, and confidence builders just like yourself, be sure to join my exclusive community over on Facebook. The link is waiting for you at elisaunfiltered.com. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.